Well, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm continuing our series, Living Your Best Life. And uh, between last week and this week, I'm speaking about living a life of passion, which I've given the Sinjin touch by naming, put your passion where your mouth is. Now, last week we talked about leaving space for passion in our lives and keeping Jesus as our number one passion and priority. And I asked the question, what if the pursuit of absolute balance in our lives actually reaps blandness? I've been heavily influenced by a great uh, leader and communicator called Kerry Newhoff. And I shared this quote, but I'm going to extend it this week. He says this, I've grown a little weary of people who call for balance in life and in mission. Most people who make a significant difference don't live balanced lives. They live passionate lives. I don't think Jesus spent most of his days pining for 5 p.m. so he could go home and watch Survivor after dinner or work on his holy three-point shot. Yes, he took breaks and rested, but his burden was always for his people and his father. And I think what Kerry so, uh, so well sums up there is just that Jesus was passionate. And it wasn't about completely getting rid of balance out of your life, but it was about leaving room for passion, for passion, for mission. And Jesus knew what his mission was. So check out last week's message if you missed it for more on priorities and balance. The broad caveat summary, I'm not suggesting you go all in on an unbalanced life. Just that maybe we have room for a little more passion. You know, I'm not a big fan of the idea of finding balance. As with lots of concepts that we hear floating around in culture, there are good underlying intentions and there are good things to learn from this call for balance in our lives. And if you were living a wildly unbalanced life, then I think figure out how to get a little bit more balance or maybe I would prefer to say, find a little bit more space for yourself, then that could be a good thing for you. But the issue I have with this idea of seeking balance is that attaining perfect balance is impossible. <laughs> I don't know if anybody here has achieved it, but you know, I just don't think I've ever seen someone who has actually achieved this mythical perfect balance in life. And to be honest, I sometimes see people more stressed about trying to make balance work than just figuring out what they actually need to live the real life that Jesus promises. You know, I want to share this morning some periods in my life where I don't experience great balance, but where I do experience passion and maybe talk a little bit about why I choose to sit in the tension of allowing periods of my life to be unbalanced because I'm passionate for the mission that I'm on, that we're on as a church. You know, we're just about to relaunch the idea of Camp No Fear, which is our yearly youth camp that we've missed for a couple of years. I know people are keen to hear about it, so stay tuned. There's lots of info coming. But, you know, the truth is if we talk about, like, the Christmas season into January, I don't experience great balance with camp coming up. You know, there are late nights. There is trying to fit in with other people's holidays. There's meetings, there's designing stages, there's uh, packing trucks. There's a whole group of people who go into camp a whole day early. 
and I can't help but go and try and bring my talents to the table on the day before camp and, and help with that production and media setup. Um, you know, there's late nights organizing costumes for dumb things, meeting up with people to come up with dumb ideas for media things. There's all sorts of stuff that happens in January. And the truth is, and you can check with my wife on this, in fact, we don't experience great balance when camp is coming up. Now, I do have good habits when I see a season where I'm going to lean more into passion than balance coming up. But I don't expect that month to be perfect because that's a month that calls on my passion. That's a month where mission says, we need more from you, Sinjin, than just a nice, neat life. If camp is going to be what camp is going to be, then that's going to have to be a season where perfect balance, a nice, neat balance, and life being squarely blocked off just isn't going to happen. So I don't expect that month to be perfect. I do sign up for my Melbourne Stars membership every year and might make time to go to those games though, because rest is important. Jesus rested as well. And that's like an amount of balance. But I wouldn't say overall that January is balanced for me. You know, I don't experience great balance when we have a production on around here. Well, you know, there's late nights rehearsing, all day working, late nights rehearsing, setting up lights, getting technical problems fixed. Youth still rolls along on a Friday, needs to be looked after. Church still rolls along on a Sunday and needs to run and, and oftentimes is more difficult to run because they're fitting it in around a production. I don't experience great balance, but I know the mission that we're on when we're running those productions. We want to reach people with the message that we're called to be passionate about in our lives. And so I let balance go to the wayside a little bit for those few weeks so that our productions can be excellent and welcome people from the community in who might not step foot in a church otherwise. Now, do I set up some times for rest on either side of that? Yes, because I'm not completely anti the idea of rest and, you know, give and take in life, but I make room for passion. I don't experience great balance when we do trips to PNG to work on buildings up there. And my wife doesn't experience great balance when I'm away in PNG for 10 days either. But together, we understand the mission and we know where we're headed with that and we know why it's important. And I'm so lucky that, um, you know, she understands that mission as well and releases me to go away and do that work. But that's not a balanced experience you know, when it comes to, you know, going to PNG, you might say well, you work for a church, so that's a freebie. Do you know what? You still runs, church still runs. I have to fit in the work before and after the trip to PNG to make the trip to PNG work. And so in all of this, I don't want you to hear about the sacrifices or whatever. This isn't about pumping me up. This is just about trying to give you examples of what it actually looks like for me to prioritize Jesus first in my time and to put passion before balance, but also to keep times for rest and self-care and relationships and all those good things. I have to keep those as well. And that's how I do it. And I'm not the only person who does these things. I'm not a super, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want anyone to think I'm just crazy here, but you know, when we have a big production on, 
There's 50 people who make a production happen. I'm just one of them. When we go to PNG to build a new building, there's 10 people who go. I'm just one of them. And when we're setting up for Camp No Fear or getting things ready for Camp No Fear, you know, we have a hundred volunteers on camp normally. Amazing volunteers who give their time in January in prep, co prep costumes and help build sets. And, and I'm just one of them. And that's what's so amazing about being a part of a church that's on a mission is that there is this room for people to exercise their passion for mission. So I've spoken about mission and I've given you a few examples of maybe where I let balance go strategically to leave room for passion in my life. Not because I'm exceptional, just as an example. But let's look at what Jesus was passionate about. Firstly, he was passionate about people. He valued connecting with people over appearances. We know that if you spent any sort of time around churches, we know that the people Jesus was connecting with were not the people he was finding in the churches of the day. They were the people he was finding on the side of the road. They were the people he was finding with undesirable career paths or undesirable life decisions. And he valued connecting with those people. He valued the poor. <laughs> he healed them, he fed them, and he told us to do the same. And he valued friendships. The last thing he did before he was done on earth was to have a meal with his friends. And Jesus said that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And of course, Jesus's passions were overall superseded by the kingdom of God, specifically seeing the kingdom of God established here on earth and shown mainly through servanthood and servant leadership. And this was the overarching mission for Jesus, of course. <laughs> All his other works and his other priorities pointed to this one. And so I want to narrow in on Jesus's passion for his main mission and how it might play out for us today, because I believe more than ever, we need people with passion to see the kingdom of God here on earth. In fact, Paul gives us, who's one of Jesus's mates, he gives us a relatively succinct, what I call the pocket guide to your life mission on exactly how to do that. And so Paul writes this, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. 
Note the words of passion used alongside examples of our place in God's mission. G, uh, Paul uses words uh, in this thing like this. Speak out with as much faith. Serve people well. Teach well. Give generously. Take the responsibility seriously. Do it gladly. Love others. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight. Work enthusiastically. Rejoice in hope. Be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Weep with those who weep. And don't think you know it all. <laughs> you know, I, I just think this is this incredible passage that gives us a picture of mission. And it summarizes all those things that Jesus was passionate about in being passionate to help people, in being passionate about friendships, in being passionate about the kingdom of God. All those things are summarized in here. And when I read this passage, I hear about a life that is filled with passion. And Jesus's example, again, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Jesus's example is to have time for rest. But I don't think that Jesus lived a particularly balanced life by modern standards. I think he lived a life of passion that came out of his mission. And so here's the rub. What might the church look like, the capital C church? What would it look like if we all upped our passion by 1.2%, specifically 1.2%? Not even necessarily inside of these walls. In fact, I think it's a no-brainer that if we all upped our passion for the mission outside of these walls, we'd still see the difference inside of these walls. Let's take that 1.2% figure that I've clearly plucked out of thin air for no apparent reason and look at what that might look like if we were just willing to give 1.2% more additional time investment, for instance. It's easier than it might seem. Here's my proposal for you. Eight and a half minutes a day for your personal journey with Jesus. Start a Bible plan, walk around the block and pray, buy a good book and read a few pages, listen to a podcast, whatever it is, eight and a half minutes a day, that's one hour, and one more hour each week for something else. Shop for a neighbor, cook a casserole and drop it around to a friend's house with a note. Grab a coffee with someone you'd love to see come to church. Write some encouragements in the app. Join a Sunday ministry. You would have been at one service anyway, right? So it basically still fits the one hour more idea. Commit to a life group. Or heck, if locking church in, or youth for your kids, sorry, can't help it, I'm a youth pastor. If locking church in is a challenge for you to do as a weekly investment, then just say, I'm gonna do that as my new minimum. I'm gonna grow my passion for God's kingdom by just making sure that I come and join in his family on a Sunday for one hour a week. And between those two things, you have your 1.2% more time <laughs> investment. I think you'd be surprised at how achievable this is and what it might do for your journey with Jesus. Whether it's a 1.2% increase or maybe it's just putting those couple of hours aside for your journey with Jesus as a starting point. Let alone the impact it would have as a whole if we all lifted our passion. 
And I'm only talking about time here. You know, last week we talked about the different areas that our passion can apply to. And you know, going on from there, what if Jesus' promises and example are true? Maybe instead of just seeing what we lost, that two hours or that 1% extra giving or whatever it is, instead of just seeing what we lost to make that investment into our passion, what if we're not going to feel a sense of loss by giving that a go? What if God actually meets you there and you begin to actually, or maybe for the first time, experience the supernatural joy and hope and encouragement and peace and generosity and faith and rest and passion? Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Let me encourage you to take this second piece of Paul's advice. Run to win. Live your life moving with purpose and passion in every step rather than a passive drive for a mythical balance in your life. Allowing God's mission for the church, the capital C church, this church, and for us to permeate every area of our lives. Maybe, just maybe, you've done enough talking and singing for now. Maybe the time for excuses is over. Maybe the control you've given to balance has led to blandness. Maybe it's time to let go of the apathy that started in lockdown. And maybe God really does have a full and real and supernaturally empowered life for you. Whether you're just starting on a faith journey or you've called yourself a Christian forever. Maybe it's time to put your passion where your mouth is and see where God takes your passion. Have a great week and be passionate for the mission.